This morning, I'm gonna talk about sin. I promise it won't be boring, because it's a known fact that sin is more interesting than piety. Here's a partial list of all of the movies that have the word sin in their title. Uh, sin City, Sin the Movie, Original Sin, Sin by Silence, Past Sins, Forbidden Sins, Forgotten Sins, Secret Sins, Family Sins, Sins of the Father, Sins of Our Youth, A Touch of Sin. Oh, it's a lot of sin. <laughs> but I wonder if those movie titles aren't just a little out of step with where we're at now. I mean, does anybody sin anymore? We commit errors in judgment. We make mistakes. We miscalculate. There was a time when people sinned. Jonathan Edwards was an 18th century Presbyterian pastor um, and a leader in the religious movement known as the Great Awakening. Uh, he was uh, known for his vivid depictions of sin and their consequences. This is one excerpt from uh, a sermon of his entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Quote, men are held in the hand of God over the pit of hell. They have deserved the fiery pit and are already sentenced to it. And God is dreadfully provoked and the devil is waiting for them. Hell is gaping for them. The flames gather and flash about them and would fain lay hold on them and swallow them up, end quote. We in the church don't talk that way anymore. And that's a good thing. Sin has so often been associated with, with judgment and guilt and shame. It's too often been used as a stick to hit people over the head with. So we've not talked much about sin lately. We assume that we are basically good people making progress. The problem with that is that it just doesn't seem to capture the fullness of our human experience. Because there's this gap. This gap between what we want to do, what we, what we long to do, what we think is the right thing to do, what, what we believe we were created to do, and, and that which we actually do. Paul put it this way, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do not want it, but if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. Yeah. Evidently, this is not a new thing. Not at all. This gap between what we long to do and what we actually do, it's, it's a part of our daily lives. Think about diet and exercise. The amount of time we are on our devices. We begin the day I, vowing to ourselves, I'm not going to mindlessly scroll more than X number of minutes. I'm going to eat healthy today. I, I'm going to exercise for at least 30 minutes. <laughs> and then we find ourselves brushing our teeth at the end of the day, and we've done none of these things. Another example, consumerism. We, we know that stuff doesn't make us happy. We know that buying more possessions will not fill the hole inside of us, but we do it anyways. There are all sorts of ways in which we experience this gap. 
And what I just mentioned, I mean, this is the easy stuff. Um, there is deeper stuff, there is harder stuff. A young adult gets on a plane. He is going to visit his parents. These visits haven't gone well in the past because he always finds himself reverting to his 15-year-old self. He's oppositional. He disagrees with everything his parents say. Um, but, but he vows that it will be different this time. Um, this time he will not fall back into old destructive patterns. He will not get annoyed at his mother's probing questions. He will not get defensive about his life choices. Um, this time will be different. This time his best self will show up. Well, an hour into the visit, his plan has completely fallen apart. Oh, this gap between our intentions and our actions. But this gap, it's not just about our own personal failings. Um, there are larger issues at work as well. Industries devoted to creating consumer demand, algorithms that are designed to keep us scrolling. And then I think of the factors that make us more likely to experience addiction. I don't know if you've been following the public service announcements that have been put out by the Ohio Opioid Education Alliance in conjunction with Governor DeWine and Recovery Ohio. These ads are really good. Uh, and each one depicts a, a pretend game show. Now, in one of the ads, the contestants are asked to name something that is responsible for 50% of the risk for alcohol addiction. And based on the letters that have been revealed, it's clearly, the answer is clearly family history. But the contestants keep offering incorrect answers, making bad choices, lack of self-control, hanging out with, a, with the wrong people. Oh, these ads are so good. Um, and they remind us that there are forces at work outside of our control that widen that gap. Now, Paul names all of this as sin. Our own failures, the stuff we are responsible for. And then these, these other larger factors that we can't manage or control. All of it is sin. Sin is the word we use to measure the gap, the full distance between who we long to be and who we actually are on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, it's helpful to be honest about that gap, to, to name that gap, to acknowledge that gap, to, to mind the gap. Mind the gap is a phrase that's used in the London subway system. Uh, it's a warning to passengers to pay attention while crossing the gap between the train door and the station platform. It was originally um, used beginning in 1969 um, and it, it, it's, it's been a, a helpful catchphrase um, and it's, it's painted on a lot of the subway platforms and you'll hear it as you're getting on and off the subway in London. Um, what does it look like for us to mind the gap that Paul writes about? Well, it means that we're truthful about it. 
We're truthful about our own shortcoming. We're truthful about how hard it is to live our lives with full integrity. But acknowledging the gap is one thing. How about, I don't know, lessening it? What can we do to bridge the gap? Nothing. Paul is really clear about this. That we don't have the capacity to bridge this gap. It's not an option for us. The only, the only one who can, who can bridge this gap is God. According to Paul, this gap is bridged by grace. Now the two readings that are shaping this morning's sermon both come from the book of Romans and it's this is just a remarkable book of the Bible that covers all sorts of important subjects. Paul writes in Romans of the power and prevalence of sin and he writes about the power and prevalence of God's love for us. Grace is mentioned 24 times in the book of Romans. And my favorite mention of grace comes in chapter 5. Quote, sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can threaten us with is death, and that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through Jesus, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on, world without end, end quote. Oh, I love that section of Romans. Paul is talking about a love that is more powerful than sin, a, a grace that is wider and deeper than the gap. Sin is real. The gap is real. God's forgiveness, God's grace, it's even more real. Our job then is to receive this forgiveness, this aggressive forgiveness called grace. We embrace this mysterious, beautiful grace offered to us by Jesus. Yeah, as the song says, it's amazing.